Hello, hello. My name is Bird, and I'm the ex-Mormon witch. Welcome to my space where I share my story and explore subjects I'm interested in. I have some thoughts I want to share today about friendship and about community in the context of religion and spirituality, particularly from the perspective of me, an ex-Mormon, a witch, and a queer woman. For context, I am a very introverted person. I've never been the kind of person who had a lot of friends ever. I, looking back, I had a few friends that I was close to as a kid, um, as a teenager. But the point in my life where I realized I had the most friends was ironically just before the cusp of my faith transition. I was in college. I was attending the local singles branch, which is for the non-Mormons. Sometimes in areas with a high enough Mormon population, you will have a small congregation that gets formed of just the young single adults, people between the ages of like 18 and maybe it was 30. Anyone who's not married, they kind of lump you all together and Single sports and branches can get kind of a bad rap depending on the congregation. Sometimes the leadership, because they'll they'll bring in leadership who are married couples to kind of help, you know, supervise these wild young people. And and so they kind of set the tone for things. And sometimes singles branches can be a little bit like a, a marriage factory. You're under a lot of pressure as a young single Mormon to get married and to get married soon because that's the whole point. You need to to get married in the temple so you can start your forever family. That's a huge deal in not just the culture, but also the doctrine and the theology. My singles branch wasn't like that. We were right by a local college, which um, I say local. It's local because it's in the area. It's actually a pretty big college with a lot of people coming to school from all over the place. And so a lot of the people who went to the little singles branch where I attended at the time were college students. They were really passionate about their education. They were really interested in pursuing careers in line with that education. There was still that sort of underlying pressure to get married, but it wasn't something that came up all the time. And mostly we were just there for community and to socialize and to spend time around people our own age in the context of worship. And I had a great time there and I made a lot of friends there. Being fresh into college, this was my first real foray into sort of existing in a context outside of my family, being an independent person. No one... There were people there who had lived in the area for a long time who knew me, but the majority of people didn't know me as as a sort of appendage to my parents, to my family. By which I mean, no one there thought of me as so-and-so's daughter or so-and-so's sister. I was my own person. I was just bird. And that was really, really great and really nice. I think that's an important part of developing as a young adult, becoming an adult, becoming an independent, is forming your own social connections, your own community outside of your immediate family. And that's really what I was doing, what I was there to do. 
And for the first time in my life, I had so many friends that I needed both hands to count them. And that was a big deal for me that I had more than five friends. I had more than five people that I, I talked to on a regular basis that I enjoyed spending time with that I thought of as my friends. When I went through my faith transition, um, I started withdrawing from those friends because they were friends that I had made in the context of religion and Mormons are really good about converting and reconverting people. And I didn't want to deal with that pressure from people I thought were my friends. So I sort of withdrew a little bit. And then the, the breaking point was really when I stopped going to church, when I made the decision and I stopped going, I did not hear from any of those people at all, ever. I still haven't, which on the one hand, I was really, really grateful for because I knew that they were Mormon and that they were faithful and chances were they were going to try to bring me back and reconvert me. And that wasn't what I wanted. I didn't want to have those tense, potentially confrontational conversations where I had to explain that I had come to the conclusion that their religion, which was so important to them, was entirely garbage. But at the same time, it was, it was painful because these were people that I thought were my friends. And it wasn't just that no one reached out to be like, Hey, come back to church. No one reached out at all. In fact, in the more than five years since I've been an ex-Mormon, all of the people that I've known, that I knew that I was friends with, who've been friends with my family for years and years, I can only think of one person who has reached out to me just to say, Hey, I miss you. I love you. I know you're not coming back to church. That doesn't matter. I just want you to know that I'm here for you, that I, I care about you and that you're loved. And that I will always respect that woman to the core of who she is. That is a good person. That is a person who genuinely, genuinely cares because when you talk about community and you talk about building friendship and building connection in the context of religion, a lot of times the religion seems to take the forefront. It becomes the most important thing. And this was very much something that I experienced on my way out of the Mormon church and on my way out of Christianity was people in my life that I had connections to that I, I loved that I thought really loved me reaching out to me with the focus and the intention being less on how are you? Are you okay? Are you happy? What's making you happy? And more with a pressure on, are you doing all of the good religious things? Maybe you should go back to church. I was told that I needed to go back to church for a sense of community. And I really thought about that when I was on the fence about Christianity post-Mormonism. I had an uncle tell me that I really needed to go back to church. And I thought at the time that he was probably right because I was seriously lacking in community. Having lost all of those friends from church, I was down to one friend. There was one person in my life that I was still talking to. One person who... I had a deep connection to, she's my best friend. Um, for the context of this podcast, we're going to call her bug. Cause that's her, her nickname. Um, 
and, and Bug was really, really close to me and I was really, really close to her. And she is to this day, very, very Christian, but she was just friends with me. She never put any pressure on me for what I should believe and what I should do about that. But, but she was my only friend and my only connection. And I don't know if you've ever lived a life where you were completely isolated, where you had only one friend left and your relationship with your family is incredibly strained and you, you don't feel close to them and you can't talk to them about things that you're going through and things that you're thinking and things that you're feeling, but that can be really, really lonely. And I was feeling really, really lonely. And my whole life, a big part of where I had found connection and found community had been religion. And so I thought, well, yeah, he's probably right. That's what I need. I need to go back to church. I need to find a new community. The reason why I didn't do that, the reason why I decided not to, to go to any of the hundreds of churches in my hometown, because I do live in the middle of the Bible Belt. There is a church on almost every other street corner. There are towns around where I live where there are more churches than stoplights. There were plenty of options for me, but every time I looked at one and I thought about going there, I would feel physically ill, seriously physically ill, just at the thought of going back to church. Because at the time, the truth is, I, I wasn't ready to go back to church. I wasn't ready to rebuild those connections in a religious context. I hadn't finished processing all of the baggage and all of the trauma that I was carrying with me out of Mormonism. And I really needed the time and the space to do that without having people preach at me, try to tell me what to think and what to believe. I really needed to sort of retrench in myself and and figure out on my own terms what I wanted that to look like, what I wanted my spirituality to look like and my connection to the divine to look like. I knew that that was important to me having spirituality, but I didn't know what that, what I wanted that to be. And so I, I stayed alone and I stayed alone for a really long time until I finally made a couple of friends again. Um, I, I found them at work as a lot of us do as adults, we make friends at work and then they become friends outside of that context. And, and making friends outside of religion has been a really amazing experience for me because I've made friends with people who don't necessarily share my beliefs and share my opinions, but who are really actively supportive of my faith and of me as a person and of everything that I am and that I want to be. And it's given me a lot of, of context to consider the difference between acceptance and support when it comes to your family, your friends, and your community. Because my family has been really accepting through all of this. And I think they deserve mad kudos for that. They deserve huge amounts of accolades for how accepting they've been because I know how hard it's been for them. I know how difficult it is to deal with a member of your family transitioning out of the Mormon church and then coming to terms with the fact that I'm now practicing witchcraft, which my mother especially has been 
really anxious about because she's the word that comes to mind is superstitious, which a lot of people use in a really negative context. They, the word suspicious has a negative connotation. I don't mean it in that way, but superstitious, I think, is probably the best word. A big believer in spirits, angels, demons, Mormons, sometimes the Mormon church in historicity has been very magical very into miracles and stuff, but a lot of modern Mormons aren't so much, just like a lot of modern Christians aren't so much into the superstitious, magical aspects of things, miracles and direct divine intervention and angels and demons. But my mother always has been, and she's had really intense, profound experiences throughout her life with the, what you might call the supernatural the, the things beyond the divine or the damned. And she's had some negative experiences with witchcraft in particular. She dabbled and had horrendous experiences. And that has really colored her perspective and her thoughts and her feelings about me pursuing a spirituality that looks like witchcraft. And then I come out of the closet as bisexual and I'm not straight. And the Mormon church is also not favorable towards people who are queer. And that's a completely different subject for a completely different day. But I would describe my immediate family members as mild to moderately homophobic. There aren't a lot of what I would consider true allies in my immediate family and in the connections I've had for most of my life. And this brings me sort of to the crux of the difference between acceptance and support. Because as a queer person, we'll use that as our context here, because that's the context you hear the word ally thrown around a lot these days. As a queer person, I used to think that being an ally just meant being accepting because that to me was as close as I was ever going to get to being supported was acceptance. People saying, yes, you can live your life however you want to and not being actively hateful about it. I mean, I am in the Bible Belt. Homophobia runs rampant in these parts here. And in my experience, that was the best that I ever got was acceptance. I don't agree with you. I don't agree with your quote unquote lifestyle, but I accept you. The people in my life who were actively supportive, who I would consider now to be true allies were far fewer and far between. I had my best friend. She is very, very deeply Christian, but she's also very much always been an LGBT ally. But in terms of the people closest to me, the best I was ever going to get was, well, we'll accept your choices. And I, I will never forget as, as a queer person, the first time someone met me when I came out to them about my being queer, the first time that I was met with not just a, a shrug of the shoulders or an okay or a well, you can do what you want, but with active love and support, with an active outpouring of understanding and, and more than acceptance, it's 
difficult to, to explain the difference sometimes between those two things, but it looks, it looks like love in a lot of ways. If that makes sense, that's what love is to me is it's active support, not just acceptance. Acceptance is the baseline of tolerance of not being hateful. Support looks like what makes you happy? You're not me. And I accept that. So what makes you happy? And then pushing someone farther into that. So coming back to religion as a context, on my part, when I try to show love to people in my family, I try to show love by actually pushing them deeper into their faith, because that is the context where they find spiritual joy and happiness. So I will quote Bible verses and Book of Mormon verses to my mother when she's having a hard time. If my sister is trying to make a decision, I will ask her, have you prayed about it? Do you feel like you've gotten any kind of divine guidance in this? What do you feel like God is leading you to do? Because those words, that language, that practice, that's what means something to them. And I, I moved away for about a year. I lived in another state out West. And that was when I really leaned fully into my practice as a witch. I really felt like I was capable of doing that. And coming back from being away, I moved in with my parents again for a while. I think I lived there 18 months after I moved back. And this situation, this conversation, this distinction between support and acceptance really ended up coming home to me because I was suddenly surrounded by a lot of acceptance and not a lot of support. The people in my life, my parents, my siblings were perfectly happy to let me do whatever I wanted to do. They weren't going to lambast me. They weren't going to attack me, but I wasn't being actively supported. And I suddenly realized that that was not enough for me to really feel like I had a solid community to lean on because that's what we, we look to in our communities, in our connections. We look for support. It's not enough for people to give you net neutral. You want something active, something leaning into you in a positive way. And I have had to come to terms with the fact that I will never get that from my family, that I can't expect that from them because it's not something they're capable of giving me. We, after my dad got his diagnosis, he's been diagnosed with cancer. I touched on that very briefly in my first episode. Um, we decided to go to family therapy, all of us together. And it, we didn't go for very long. I think it would have been really helpful if we had stuck with it for longer, but most of the family was not committed to family therapy as an experience and as a process. And it, it only works if people want to be there and are willing to commit to that. But we did, it did give us the opportunity to have some really valuable conversations. And this was one of them, me 
I used an entire therapy session <laughs> to bring this up to my, my parents specifically and to say, listen, I love you. I know you love me. I, I don't just want your love and acceptance. I want your support and God bless them. They were really honest with me that that was not something that they could do. My mom had to have the experience, the painful experience of looking me in the eye. And I, I respect the hell out of her for doing this. She had to look me in the eye with tears going down her face and say, I will always love you. I will always accept you, but I can't support you in things that are evil because things about my spirituality and about my sexuality from her perspective, that's what they are. They're the fruits of the devil who she very much believes in as a distinct real entity. And so she coming to a place of acceptance for her is, is really the best that she can do. It really requires as much effort as she's capable of extending just to get to that point of acceptance and to expect her to move beyond that is expecting too much from someone who is merely human and who needs the love and support of someone who's just a person doing their best. And, and that was a hard thing to come to terms with. I think anyone who has ever gone through a faith transition where their family was involved, where they ended up with family on the other side of that boundary has really experienced this and, and has really had to struggle with carrying the weight of that because it does put up a division in your relationship. You can't have the same level of closeness and of intimacy because in order to maintain the respect and the love and the healthy environment that you're both trying so hard to build on both sides, there has to be a lot of things that go unsaid that you leave known, but unspoken on a day-to-day -day basis. So I can talk to my mom about certain things. If I'm struggling, we can talk about using meditation as a way of, of helping me settle my mind and refocus but we are not going to talk about, Hey, maybe you should do witchcraft about this. That's not something that she can do for me. But why this is in my head right now is because this weekend I am going on a beach trip with my community people, with people that I have found now, um, after being back in the state in the South for a while who are more than just accepting, who are actively supportive. I now have, um, I'm going to call her Starberry because that's her online handle. Starberry and I were friends before I moved away from the South and we stayed friends long distance while I was gone. And now we're, we're really good friends while we're back. And she has really put in the legwork to build this little friend group that I now get to just shamelessly exploit and be a part of. And, and she has really set this new groundwork for me, this new framework for me of what active support looks like from friends and from community. 
when I was trying to make uh, my last couple big decisions, her first question to me was, what say the cards, which is just a really melodramatic way of acknowledging the fact that I read tarot as part of my spiritual practice. I find a lot of, I find a lot of meaning and a lot of clarity in that. It's been a really, really helpful part of, of my spiritual practice, of my decision-making process over time. And she doesn't just know that. She doesn't just accept that. She openly and actively acknowledges it. Have you done a reading about this? Maybe you should. That's something that works for you. That's something that gives you clarity. Maybe you should do that. She has asked me to make sigils for her. Um, I'll have to do a whole episode on sigil crafting because that's something I love as well. But that to me has become my new framework for being actively supported. And that after having gone without that for so long, after being in the closet for years and years and years, and then coming out of religion and being isolated for several years and having only connections where I was having to be very careful and very polite and, and still not lying, but still a little bit secretive, uh, keeping things to myself about my spiritual practice and what that looks like and my thoughts and opinions about religion and the world and all of those things, politics, going from that level of constantly watching what I'm saying and doing all the time, being so careful not to accept people and not to offend people. And now having this group, this community where I can be holy and unapologetically myself has done wonders for my mental health. And that's something that I think all of us really, really need as people. Humans are social animals. I am hugely introverted and I will never be a person with a lot of friends because I value quality over quantity in my connections. I want a very few, very close connections, but I still can't survive and be my best, happiest, healthiest self without connections. And there are a lot of places to look for that. If you are coming through a faith transition, if you've had to change who your people are, who your community is, especially having grown up in a particular religion or context and then transitioning to something that seems very, very different, there are a lot of places that you can look and a lot of things that you can do to try and find that community. But it's it's really so, so important that eventually you do. It's okay to rest for a while because I needed that. Those, those couple of years were hard, but I do think that they were good for me. Letting myself be alone by myself, being at peace with myself, learning to enjoy my own company. That was really healthy. But at some point, the, the hermit has to come down from the mountain. The hermit has to bring that light and that inspiration that they found communing with the divine alone back to community and back to the world. And whether that happens in a context like this, in this podcast, online, joining online forums anonymously, Reddit, finding 
YouTubers or podcasters who run Discord channels to build community, whatever it is, finding people and places in person, or just making personal individual friends that maybe you don't share all of your spiritual beliefs with. I don't have any close friends who I would identify themselves as witches who would necessarily use that label but they are still actively supportive for me. And, and finding those people, finding your people is so healthy and so supportive and so good. It's so, so good. And I'm just really, really happy about that today. And if you're, if you're struggling and you're alone, there's hope. Maybe it takes you two, three years like it took me but your people do eventually find you and you eventually find them. People have a way of stumbling into the people they need most when they need them most. And maybe that's coincidence and happenstance. Maybe it's because they're looking for it. Maybe it's divine intervention. Maybe it's, maybe it's witchcraft. I've done friendship spells to find people that I could share community with, and I consider them a smashing success. So I hope wherever you are that you're happy today, that you have community today, that you can reach out to a good friend and share something important and meaningful to you today. And be good, my lovelies. I'll talk to you later.